Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Historic Pinstripes, which is a show for all diehard Yankees fans and baseball fans. The goal of the Historic Pinstripes is to preserve the rich history and tradition of the New York Yankees by discussing the greatest Yankees players and moments in Yankees history. Again, my name is Brian and I have been a diehard Yankees, Yankees fan since I was about 7 or 8 years old. This week's show will be on the top five Yankees designated hitters of all time and why. And before we get started, I just want to say that I apologize for not having as many um, episodes lately. But there will be a lot more content coming out uh, in the next few weeks, so uh, stay tuned. Um, So anyways, like I said, today's episode is on the top five designated hitter in Yankees history. But first, I just wanted to give you a brief history on the designated hitter. The designated hitter actually started way back in like the early 1900s or so. Uh, Connie Mack first proposed the idea of the DH in the 1900s, and it um, it actually fell just short in the voting or when they went to adopt... Uh, the new CBA or whatever the agreements were back then, uh, but they went to adopt it uh, in the 1920s and it fell just short. So I thought that was kind of interesting because it, it, it kind of makes you think how things would have changed if maybe they had voted the DH in in the 1920s. But obviously they didn't, and uh, they didn't end up voting it in for a very long time. It actually was first voted in in 1973 um, after the 1960s when um, the 1960s were known as a very uh, pitching-dominant era, um, especially with you know pitchers like Don, Don Drysdale, Juan Marichal, Warren Spahn, Whitey Ford, Jim Bunning, Bob Gibson, Sandy Koufax, um, you know, all Hall of Famers, and especially in 1968, which was um, labeled the year of the pitcher, uh, Bob Gibson actually had his best year. He had a 1-1-2 ERA. Denny McLean for the Detroit Tigers won 31 games. I think that's actually the most um, in baseball history. Well, it's not the most in baseball history, but it's most of like the modern era. Um, uh, Jack Chesbro, who actually played for the New York Yankees, um, but then it was the New York Highlanders back in, I think it was 1904 or 05 or so. Somewhere around there, he won 41 games. But of course, back in the early 1900s, late 1800s, the game was a lot different, so it was just a different type of uh, style of play. So it's really hard to compare Denny McLean to a guy like Jack Chesbro, um, and even to now. However, um, it's still 41 wins is a hell of a feat. And, of course, back then they didn't really have relief pitchers like they do now, so it does change things a little bit. Um, however, uh, getting back to the 1968, which was the year of the pitcher, and ultimately a big reason why they decided to um, – Adopt the DH in 1973. Um, also, um, another thing I didn't know about Denny McLean and Bob Gibson, uh, this is just some baseball knowledge that I have uh, through my research I kind of came across. Uh, Denny McLean and Bob Gibson, they combined in 1968 to throw 339 shutouts, which was double the number uh, from 1962. Um, so, uh, well, actually, no, I think it wasn't just them. It was actually all pitchers, but obviously they were a big part of it. Um, and the the... The um, that was double the number of shutouts from 1962. So, um, the pitching had increased dramatically um, throughout the 60s. Um, and after 1961, of course, uh, Mantle Amaris's uh, home run chase, MLB actually increased the strike zone from the top of the shoulders to the bottom of the knees, um, which I think they later um, adjusted a little bit. Um, however, usually for umpires, they all have their own uh, strike zones to some degree anyway. 
Um, however, like I said, 1973, the designated hitter was first adopted for the very first time, the very first designated hitter of all of in, in baseball history, and also, of course, Yankees history, but the very first one was Ron, Blo- Ron Bloomberg. Ron Bloomberg was drafted, actually, by the New York Yankees in 19... 19- um, 1967, and actually he was a first-round pick, which I didn't know. He, um, and he wasn't just a first-round pick, but he was actually the very first pick in the first round. Um, so that's how good he was. And the Yankees actually thought that he could be, um, you know, obviously he was a lefty, so I'm sure they knew he would be a perfect fit for Yankee Stadium. Um, however, the thing with Ron Bloomberg was that he couldn't stay healthy, and uh. I guess the thinking was with the DH, of course, was that that would keep him on the field, which it really didn't um, necessarily do that quite like they had envisioned. But, I mean, um, I think also it took time for some of the designated haters that you're going to find oh, as I'm, uh, uh, later on in the show that some designated haters, um, they, some, some players, being a designated hitter is not as easy as, as you think, especially for Ron Bloomberg. It was all new to them. Ron Bloomberg thought it was boring when he was a player now he, he actually he likes it it's kind of ironic actually maybe maybe because being on the field he just likes being uh going out there playing in the outfield and usually a lot of the major league players you don't really think about it but because it's from a different perspective as a fan than when you're a player when you're a player um you want to go out there and you want to play and uh you know you, you uh you don't really want to just sit on the bench and, and uh and stuff however nowadays they've kind of adapted to it like uh, Edgar Martinez and David Ortiz, like um, even Jason Giambi, like they have, you can go down and watch video. At least I think you can still do that now. I'm not positive on that. But um, I'm, I'm sure there's certain things that they can do on the bench that they can keep occupied. Or if they want to go, I think they can go in the cage and stuff like that. So there's a lot of little things that they had to um, just kind of become more aware of and and just, just had to, to kind of adapt on the fly. And Ron Bloomberg at first thought it was boring, so he didn't really... He wasn't a big fan of the DH. Um, and actually, I guess there was... Um, Elston Howard actually used to have to remind him because uh, sometimes he would play the field. Um, I think he was a first baseman and an outfielder, mostly outfielder later in his career. However, he would play the field, and um, he actually wasn't playing the field that day, so he, uh, he'd be sitting there at first base if he made the last out to go back out into the field because the bat boy usually brings out the glove or usually another teammate will bring out your glove. But I guess Elston Howard, who I think was coaching first base at the time, I don't know if this was in, must have been around the early 70s. Um, uh, so uh, Elston Howard just told him, you know, he, he uh, you know, you got to come back in. You're you're DHing today, so I just thought that was kind of funny. But um, anyways, uh, April 6th was the very first game at Fenway Park in 1973, and uh, he actually drew a bases loaded walk um, off of Louis T- Louis Tiant, um, and uh, obviously he got an RBI out of it. But um, it's kind of just kind of funny how how the first the very first at bat um, for any designated hitter ever was um, was a bases loaded walk. Um, so that was kind of funny. Um, I thought anyway. Um, but however, anyways, the the bat actually went to Cooperstown. I guess at first, Ron Bloomberg, I guess he was very so uh, superstitious with which most um, baseball players are, and uh, he wanted um, he didn't really want to give them the bat, but he said later on he's glad that he gave them the bat. And I can see another thing about Ron Bloomberg too. Um, he played seven years with the Yankees, eight years in total in all of Major League Baseball. Of course, he couldn't stay healthy, and that was a big part, like I said, of why um, his career ended like it did. However, he was a 
he, you could tell he was a good hitter. Like he had some pretty good, pretty darn good numbers. I mean, I, I, I was born after Bloomberg played, so I didn't really get to see him play. Um, of course, he was a first round draft pick, so I mean, they knew he was gonna, be, he was, he could be really good. They actually thought he could be the next Mickey Mantle. I mean, at the plate, he was a left-handed hitter, though. He wasn't a switch hitter. And he was actually a, a Yankees fan uh, from Georgia. Uh, another interesting note, um, not related to the Yankees, but uh, before he signed with the Yankees, he had originally um, signed a letter of intent to play for UCLA basketball for Coach John Wooden, um, of course, the, the legendary uh, basketball coach. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. He was um, must have been a very good athlete. Of course, um, obviously being a major leaguer um, as well. His nickname was Boomer, kind of like Boomer Wells, uh, David Wells. Um, but he was he played uh, before uh, David Wells. Um, Ron Bloomberg was six foot one, 195 pounds. Like I said, played seven seasons with the New York Yankees, eight altogether. Um, and he he like I said, he disliked the DH. He didn't he didn't like it. He thought it was boring. Now I guess he loves it because I've I've read some articles that. Um, that have said that, um, but uh, I just thought it was interesting about Coach Wooden, and that that I actually found out about an, on an MLB.com article um, when I was researching for this episode uh, by Bill Ladson. I just figured I'd that was back in 2017 that article, but I just figured I'd give you uh, if you wanted to go check out the article. Um, however, some of the career numbers that he had with the Yankees, anyway, I'm just going to give you his Yankees career. He had over 1,300 at-bats. He had 52 home runs in his Yankees career, 293 average. Of course, he was a left-handed hitter, so he's um, probably a perfect fit for Yankee Stadium. Um, a 360 on-base percentage, a 140 OPS plus, which is very, very good. Um, that's seven seasons. Of course, he didn't play as many games as as the Yankees would have liked him, liked him to have, but he put, put together a, a very good career when he was on the field. The most games he had in a season... Um, 107, 1972, which was before the DH, which is kind of interesting. And then 1973, the year of the DH, he had 100. So it's kind of interesting that 72, um, he was an, mostly an outfielder and a first baseman, I believe, as well. Um, uh, he played more. That's where he played his most games. And then he didn't play. He didn't. He didn't play any more than that. His numbers aren't. They're not what they envisioned. They're not Mickey Mantle numbers, but they're. Uh, they're. They're pretty darn good. Um. You kind of can only imagine how much better they could have been if he had stayed healthy. But, I mean, that's just kind of woulda, coulda, shoulda. But, um, anyways, uh, some of his numbers, though, 1972, his, uh, the most games he had played that um, in his career. 14 home runs. He had a 299 at-bats, uh, at 49 RBIs, 268 average, 153 on-base plus slugging adjusted. Um, 1973, he had 12 home runs, 57 RBIs. He had 301 at-bats, a uh, 329 batting average. I guess he was mostly mo- kind of a contact type of hitter, but he could hit some out of the, out of the park too. I mean, he wasn't he, he um he had some power. He didn't have a whole lot of power. Usually 12 home runs you don't think of as a guy with who has power, but someone who didn't I mean, he only had what 301 at-bats in 1973. So I mean, cuz because he got hurt, it's hard to kind of it's hard to just judge him on a full season. So 12 home runs, considering that's pretty darn good. Um, and also, uh, 1973 as a designated hitter for the first time with runners in scoring position, his batting average was 351, um, which is very good. Um, he had a 155 OPS plus that year on base plus slugging adjusted. If you're not familiar with that stat, it's just basically like hundred is league average shows, um, tells you kind of 
the overall offensive input that you have at the plate. Um, you know, getting on base, slugging, everything. 1974 had 10 home runs, 48 RBIs, and 284 or 264 at bats, um, and he had a 311 um, batting average, a 147 um, on base plus slugging adjusted, and a 338 uh, batting average, which uh, with runners in scoring position. Um, so again, he, like I said, he really um, missed a lot of time from injuries. Uh, from 1975 to 1977, he actually played just a combined 35 games. Um, so that's how much time he, he he missed a lot of time, and that's th- that's three seasons. I mean, he only played 35 games, and I mean uh, that had to kill him because I'm sure he obviously you you play the game because you want to play the game, and he wasn't able to for whatever reason uh, stay on the field as much as he would have liked to have. Um, but anyways, um, it's still just part of Ron Blum, Ron Bloomberg's story, and he was the guy that kind of first had to figure things out as a designated hitter. Of course, it wasn't just him as well. There were um, 30 other de- designated hitters, um, depending on the team and how they use the DH, because some teams would, and the Yankees included, you'll your see, um, like this next next guy, sometimes they tend to uh, use the DH to kind of give guys rest days, which, especially nowadays um, with teams like the Yankees, their uh, DH, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, they'll give them like a day of uh, uh, a DH day, kind of like a half day off. Sometimes a DH, Glaber Torres, and just do things like that. So sometimes it can be kind of used like that too. So it's, some teams don't always have a full DH. Um, but anyways, moving on, we got Daryl Strawberry, another guy who I wanted to mention. Um, Daryl Strawberry was mostly a pitch hitter, but he was also a designated hitter. Like 1998, that was his best season with the Yankees. Played 101 games, the most games he played with the Yanks actually. Um, of course, his best years were with the Mets, but uh, this is just for the top five Yankee designated hitters. And the Yankees don't really have, besides Jason Giambi, who I'll talk about later, but it's 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 a little bit harder to try to think of more designated hitters. Um, however, moving on, Daryl Strawberry, he was six foot six, 190 uh, pounds. Um, so he was a big big guy, um, pretty tall, of course. Um, I'm sure most people are familiar with him. Um, he, he had a troubled past. That's why he kind of came to the Yankees at that time. I think he had missed a few years because of some issues that he was had had. Uh, 1995 to 1999, he came to the Yankees. Um, he played 11 games in 1997. I think I think a lot of that was due to uh, um, injuries. I believe I'm not sure if he had any uh, trouble with the law or whatever. However, 1998 played 101 games, the most of his uh, Yankees career. Had 295 at bats. 24 home runs, 57 RBIs, 8 stolen bases, a 247 batting average, 354 on-base percentage, and a 132 on-base plus slugging adjusted. And, I mean, although he didn't have a lot of at-bats, he still made the most of his at-bats. I mean, um, to have 24 home runs and just 295 at-bats, I mean, it's it, that, that that's a lot of home runs. And a lot of times, too, I mean... Uh, I mean, that year, too, was kind of special for the Yankees, especially because Joe Torre, pretty much it seemed like anything that he did, like, turned to gold. Like, if he uh, brought up a pitch hitter in um, uh, Daryl Strawberry or if it was Tim Raines or whoever it was, um, they they usually came through in the clutch, especially Daryl. Daryl's, um, he really came through. He had a lot of big moments for the Yankees and 96 as well. Played only 90, uh, 63 games, I mean, but he also uh, had 202 at-bats, so it seems like he must have had a few more at-bats with the Yankees in 96. Um, 
Also, he had 11 home runs in 96, 36 RBIs, 6 stolen bases, a 262 batting average, and a 359 on on-base percentage, and he, had a, and he also had a 112 on on-base plus slugging adjusted. 1999, he was diagnosed with uh, colon cancer. Actually, it was that was back in December of 98. Um, and then in 1999, he missed a lot of time. I think he even ended up uh, getting a little bit of trouble um, in the beginning of 99, and he missed some time because of that as well. Um, but he ended up coming back. I mean, he was uh, clear of cancer and all that stuff, which was great. Um, but also later on um, at that same season, he came back in September and he had a great run with the Yankees. He played 24 games in September, um, 49 at-bats, three home runs, and six RBIs. He had a 327 batting average in that month. Um, also, with two outs in September, he had uh, seven played 17 games with two outs, um, and he had 18 at-bats in those situations with a 500 batting average and two home runs and three RBIs. So he he came up in the clutch right there in, in uh, 1999 um, down the stretch. And some postseason games that he played, Game 3 of the American League Division Series against Texas, he had a three-run home run in Texas in uh, the first inning off of Esteban Loiza, uh with two outs, and that uh, he hit it deep center field. Um, and the Yankees ended up winning the game 3 to nothing on, of course, his three-run home run. Um, and then he had another home run in Game 4 of the American League Championship Series in 1999 in Boston. It was the second inning off of Brett Saberhagen with one out. So, I mean, that was 1999 was a big year for Darryl. Um, his best series with the Yankees in the postseason, um, uh, like as, as a series as a whole, was 1996, the ALCS. He played four games in 1996 uh, in the postseason 12 at-bats, 3 home runs, 5 RBIs, and he also he batted 417 and had a 500 on-base percentage. Only struck out twice, uh, and that was in the American League Championship Series. Uh, game 4 in the American League Championship Series in Baltimore, uh, Daryl Strawberry went 3 for 4. He had 2 home runs, 3 RBIs. He had a solo home run off of uh, Rocky, Rocky Coppinger, right-handed pitcher for the Baltimore Orioles back then. And that was in the second inning. And then he had another home run later on in the eighth inning against Armando Benitez, a two-run home run with two outs. And the Yankees, of course, won that game 8-4 to four in the series as well, of course, going on to win the World Series, um, as as you know. And in the ALCS, his combined numbers, um, he played seven games, 18 at-bats. Again, he was uh, mostly a, kind of used as a pitch hitter slash starting DH at, at times, um, depending on the pitching matchup. He, he had a 389 batting average. Four home runs, six RBIs, four strikeouts, and, a, and he had a 476 on base percentage. And the next guy I wanted to mention was Jason Giambi. Um, Giambi played 17 seasons in his major league career. Uh, started, of course, with Oakland. Played seven seasons with the Yankees from 2002 to 2008. Um, he was six foot three, 240 pounds. If you wanted to know, um, he was a three-time All-Star uh, with the Yankees anyway, and, a, and he won a Silver Slugger as well in 2002. He's won more Silver Sluggers than All-Star games, but that's just what he's done with, with the Yankees. His best season overall was 2002. Um, he had played 155 games. He had a 314 batting average, a 435 on-base percentage, and 172 on-base plus slugging adjusted with 41 home runs and 122 RBIs. The 41 home runs is the uh, his uh, career high as a Yankee anyway. And 2003, his other best year, um, he played 156 games, uh, 41 home runs again, 107 RBIs, 250 batting average. So he went uh, went down quite a bit in batting average, but he was mostly a power hitter, and his 
kind of makes you wonder how how much um, the steroids helped him, um, or if maybe he just it was his age, um, because you still have to be able to hit the ball. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm sure steroids will help you once you hit the ball to some degree anyway, because if you hit the ball a certain way, it's not going to go as far. It depends. Like it depends on who's pitching. And and it just it just depends sometimes on, on your swing and everything. It's, there's a lot more to it than just um, being strong. However, uh, moving on, uh, he also had a 4.12 on base percentage. John B always had a, a very good eye at the plate. Um, he had a 148 on base plus slugging adjusted from 2006 to 2008. That's when he mostly DH'd throughout his career. He still played first base quite a bit. He was actually not that bad of a first baseman. Um, he wasn't, he, don't get me wrong, he was nowhere near as good as uh, defensively as Tino Martinez or Don Mattingly or Mark Teixeira, but he wasn't, he wasn't that bad. Um, as, as uh, especially as he got older, he was a bigger guy. I mean, maybe the stories played a part of it. I don't really know. However, Giambi, um, he, he started to DH more so that they could keep him healthy and keep him on the field and he could put up those big numbers, especially uh, driving in runs and and hitting home runs and, and stuff like that, getting on base. Um, he played just 80 games in 2004 and hit only 208. But the next year, 2005, um, he had uh, played 139 games, a 271 batting average, 32 home runs, 87 RBIs. Um, uh, also, he led the league with a 440 on base percentage, which, again, that's a, a great on base percentage. He had a great eye at the plate, 161 on base plus looking adjusted. Um, this is uh, well above average. Um, 2006, 139 games. He had a 253 batting average, 37 home runs, 113 RBIs, a 413 on base percentage, and a 148 on base plus slugging adjusted. 2007, he missed um, quite a bit more more games. He had only played 83 games that year, batted only 236, 14 home runs, 39 RBIs, and had a 356 on base percentage, which is still uh, very, very, very good. Um, I mean, obviously not as good as um, we were used to seeing him before that, but um, considering how many games he played, he still was. He always had a great eye at the plate. Um, 2008, his last year with the Yankees, um, so he had never. Uh, they, the Yankees had made the postseason, but they never really went that far. Um, they, oh, I guess, well, I guess 04 and 03. Well, yeah, 03 because they went to the World Series, of course. In 08, uh, he played 145 games. Um, he had a 247 batting average, 32 home runs, 96 RBIs, and a 373 on base percentage and 128 on base plus slugging adjusted. And you kind of have to think that the designated hitter really, really, it definitely helped him a lot um, just to stay healthy, stay on the field, um, and uh, be able to contribute as a Yankee. He ended up hitting. 209 home runs in his career with the Yankees. He had played in 897 games with the Yanks, um, over 2,900 at-bats, 604 RBIs. He had a 260 batting average in his time with the Yankees, a 404 on-base percentage, and a 143 on-base plus slugging adjusted. So he had a very, very good career with the Yanks, um, and a lot of that is due to the DH. Um, so he's definitely uh, one of the best designated hitters um, that the Yankees have ever had really in my opinion anyway however in the uh, some of his he does have some pretty good postseason uh series that he played in 2002 in the American League Division Series versus the Angels American League Championship Series in 2003 he had three home runs of course two home runs were in game seven off of Pedro Martinez um 2005 American League Division Series uh versus the Angels 
2002 American League Division Series Game 1. He had a go-ahead two-run home run off of left-handed pitcher Jared Washburn and a game-tying single scoring Alfonso Soriano off of uh, left-handed pitcher Scott Schoenweiss. Um, and then uh, later that inning, Bernie Williams added a three-run home run. And Jason Giambi was 3-for-4 uh, in that game, three RBIs. The Yankees won the game 8-5. to five. Another, uh, of course, Game 7, 2003 American League Championship Series. He went 2-for-5, batted 7th that game. Um, he, he had two home runs, like I said before. Fifth inning home run and a seventh inning home run off of Pedro Martinez to keep them in the game um, before they could come back. Uh, 2003 World Series. Game five, um, he hit his only home run in the World Series, ninth inning off of Braden Looper, who was the Marlins' closer. Uh, that was with one out. However, it didn't help the Yankees, but that was just something I wanted to mention. Um, of course, him being able to get a home run in the World Series. However, the next guy I wanted to mention, Danny Tardifle, right-handed hitter. He was a right fielder, designated hitter, uh, six foot one, 185 pounds. If you're not familiar with him, uh, he actually started with Seattle in 1984. Played, I think, two or three seasons. I think it was three seasons with them. And then he went to Kansas City. Um, I'm not sure who he got traded for. Played for the Royals uh, from 1987 all the way until around 1991. He was a second-generation player. His dad was Jose Tardable, who was a left-handed hitter. He was an outfielder and a pitch hitter, so he was kind of a role player, kind of like a Duro Strawberry or maybe even a Ruben Sierra or someone like that. Um, he played for the Kansas City Athletics, um, a Red so the Red Sox, the Oakland A's, and he played from 1962 to 1970. Also, Danny Tartable played three and a half seasons with the New York Yankees. Another thing I didn't realize, too, is Jose Tartable, uh, I guess he was born in Cuba, but Danny Tartable was born in Puerto Rico. But that was just something I noticed. I figured I'd mention it. Uh, like I said, Danny Tartable played three and a half seasons with the New York Yankees from 1992 to 1995. 95, he played half that season and then before he got traded. Uh, he signed as a free agent in 1992 with the New York Yankees. His best seasons were 92 to 94. Um, however, 92 and 93 were his, his two greatest seasons. I would say I uh, played 123 games with the Yankees in 92, 421 at bats, 25 home runs, 85 RBIs, 266 average, 409 on base percentage and a 153 on base plus looking adjusted. Um, and then from there, some of the, like his batting average, it seemed to, he, I think 260, yeah, 260 was the highest he batted in his Yankee career. He wasn't really much of a contact guy. He was mostly a power hitter. Um, also, I think another thing that might've hurt him too, uh, when the Yankees got Paul O'Neill, Paul O'Neill, um, the Yankees wanted a right field. Danny Tartable was a right fielder as well. So, um, 93, he was basically a DH for 93 to 95. And uh, sometimes players don't necessarily like that. Sometimes, like as you find out with Ruben Sierra, um, it takes a while to get used in with Ron Bloomberg, like I mentioned before. Um, it takes a while to get used to the DH. And some guys don't, don't really like to, they, they like to play the field and hit because that's what they're used to. However, Moving on, 1993, played 138 games, had 31 home runs, the most in his Yankee career, 102 RBIs, 513 at-bats, had a 250 batting average, 363 on-base percentage, had a 134 on-base plus looking adjusted. 1994, played just 104 games because of the strike, 399 at-bats, 19 home runs, 67 RBIs, 256 average, had a 360 on-base percentage, and a 115 on-base plus looking adjusted, which is... Um, above average uh, compared to other players of getting on base, slugging, and 
this overall offensively as a player. Um, his worst season, of course, was 1995, which, of course, led to him getting traded. Um, 95, he played only 83 games before getting traded, 8 home runs, 35 RBIs. I believe he got off to a slow start, too, that year. Um, I'm, I think he might have asked for a trade, too, uh, but I, I not, I'm not positive on that. Uh, he was also traded to the Oakland A's for Ruben Sierra uh, and Jason Beverly, um, who's, I think, kind of an add-on in the deal. Ruben Sierra was basically the guy that was going to uh, take over for Danny Hardable. And, and his Yankees career as a whole, he played over 420 games. He had 1,525 at-bats, 81 home runs, 282 RBIs. He had a 252 batting average, a three, um, 372 on-base percentage, and a 128 on-base plus slugging adjusted. Overall, he had a very good career with, with the Yankees offensively. Um, although in 95, he, he didn't have a very good year at all, um, which of course led to him getting traded. And I think he ended up asking for a trade. I'm pretty sure. Um, uh, he was mostly a DH in 1992 as well. Um, even though he did play a lot more right field, like I had mentioned before, uh, that year, because Paul O'Neill came in 1993 and, uh, 93 to 95, obviously, like I said, he played a lot more DH. And the next guy I want to mention was Ruben Sierra. Um, who Danny Tartable, of course, was traded for in 1995. Um, Ruben Sierra, his nickname was El Caballo and El Indio, or something like that. I'm not, I'm probably not pronouncing it 100% right. I looked it up on uh, Google um, to translate, uh, uh, and I guess it meant the horse and the Indian. Um, I'm not sure if that's 100% correct. Um, however, um, he played outfield and designated hitter. With the Yankees, he was mostly a designated hitter. Um, he had two stints with the Yankees. He was a switch hitter. He was six foot one, 175 pounds. If you're not familiar with him, um, he had two stints. Like I said, 1995 to 96, uh, when he came over in the trade uh, from uh, from Texas. Uh, I think it was from Texas. Um, oh no, from Oakland actually. Uh, in '95, and he pl- played with the Yankees just until 1996. He could never really get used to the designated hitter. And then he actually ended up coming back later. Um, however, uh, he was actually the first Texas Ranger to ever hit a home run in his second at bat in 1986. 1989, he was second in the MVP um, to Robin Yunt, who was a Hall of Famer. Then uh, uh, Robin Yunt was a uh, shortstop, but at that time he was a center fielder. Um, he actually won the, uh, the MVP that year. Um, 1995 with the Yankees when Ruben Sierra took over for Danny Tartable, played 56 games, had 215 at-bats, 7 home runs, 44 RBIs, had a 260 batting average, a 322 on-base percentage. Um, Sierra never really had a, a very... He wasn't... He never had a high on-base percentage, um, but he usually... He was a, he was a, just had a very good bat. Um, he had 95 on-base plus slugging adjusted... Um, you could tell just by looking at the numbers, they weren't quite what the Yankees envisioned. And um, like Ruben Sierra's numbers, the fact that he was second in MVP in 1989 and then 1995, just a few years later, um, he really didn't play well at all with the Yanks. I mean, so so it just kind of shows you how hard it is to get used to being a DH and not playing um, in the field as well. Um, And basically in 95, that was the first time that he really started playing a lot more DH. 1996, he was uh, playing 96 games. Um, still really couldn't get used to the DH. I mean, he had a few more home runs, but he also played more games. He had 11 home runs in 96 games before he got traded uh, to Texas in 
to the Tigers for Cecil Fielder. And pretty much from 96 to 98, he struggled a lot with the Tigers. And a lot of that was due to him, you know, I guess he just couldn't find a swing again um, or whatever it was. But he really struggled a lot with the Tigers, the Blue Jays, the Reds, the Mets, the White Sox. And then he had been sent down to the minors quite a bit um, during that time. Uh, 1999, he actually played in, in, in an independent league in Atlantic City, New Jersey um, for the Atlantic City Surf. In uh, 2000, he actually ended up coming back to the Texas Rangers, and he played well in AAA, but then when he came up to the majors, he actually struggled again. 2001, he started again in AAA with the Rangers. He had a very good year, uh, or he was doing very well so far in the year, so they brought him up. Um, I think he was hitting over 300 uh, in his in triple a with the rangers because i when i looked it up i think it was like 328 or so he was in which um sierra which is pretty darn good for sierra because he wasn't really i think his overall uh his career batting average in the major leagues is like 268 or so and eventually he ended up um becoming the american league comeback player of the year in 2001 um in the majors that same year in 2001 um that he started in triple a so he had he had come from um basically a guy he basically struggled a lot from 96 to 90, uh, 99 or 98 and even ended up in independent ball to come back and be a comeback player of the year in 2001. That's pretty cool. And uh, so, of course, he played 94 games that year, 344 at-bats, 23 home runs, 67 RBIs, 291 uh, batting average, 322 on-base percentage, and a 124 on-base plus looking adjusted, um, which uh, is, again, like I said, this just kind of shows how good he was offensively getting on base, slugging. Um, I, and it, um, so, but like I, th- I, I think the main thing with Ruben Sierra there is just the persistence that he had. And he just, he knew he was a good ball player still, or, in a, or he knew he could, he knew he was better than he was playing and he just didn't give up. And he was able to finally show that he was back for good. Uh, and June 6th in 2003, he was traded back to New York for Marcus Timms. Of course, uh, the hitting coach now for the Yankees. I believe that was, uh, Marcus Timms, I think it was his beginning of his second year with the Yankees. Um, it was his first or second year. I'm not positive on that. Um, but anyways, he was 37 years old at that time when he got traded back to the Yankees. Uh, played uh, three years with the Yankees at that for his second stint, 2003 to 2005. By this time, he was mostly a outfielder, pitch hitter. Like I said, he was 37 years old, so he wasn't playing every day anymore. Um, you know, he had been through a lot, obviously struggling a lot. In the minors and then uh in the majors and the minors and then an independent ball um independent ball obviously he played well because he was able to make it back to the minors um but it took him a while to get back to the majors before he won the comeback player of the year however um 2003 his first year back with the yankees he played 63 games 174 at bats mostly as a um, designated hitter um, but i think he did play a little bit of right field sometimes he might have played some left in uh, some other ballparks Left field at Yankee Stadium is um, kind of a, a tough park to play uh, left field in, especially when you're 37. But I think he might have played some left field in Yankee Stadium, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't think it was very much. Um, however, like I said, he was he was getting older. Uh, he had 174 at-bats, 6 home runs in 2003, 31 RBIs, 276 batting average, a 323 on on-base percentage, and 100 on-base plus, like adjusted, uh, which is basically average. So, I mean, he had a pretty good season overall considering he was a, a like a role player a guy who just Joe Torrey could uh send up there and maybe he could get a home run or sacrifice fly um actually I remember my very first game um 
my which my my first Yankee Stadium experience, which I did an episode quite a while back. You can feel free to listen to that episode sometime if you want. Um, however, Ruben Sierra was a um, uh, he was in that game, and he got I think he got the walk off sacrifice fly to win the game. It was June thirteenth, two thousand three. Um, actually, no, it was June. This was two thousand four, June thirteenth, um, against the Padres, and he ended up getting the walk off sacrifice fly. Um, so he, but he, so he did have a lot of big moments for the Yanks. Uh, I mean, um, especially as a pitch hitter, to come up off the bench, um, you know, not really be like in tune with the game. You're in tune with the game, but just in a different way. You kind of have to, uh, kind of have to be re- always ready. Um, and Ruben Sierra, I think, did a very good job at that. He was kind of like, um, Ru- Ruben Sierra was kind of like Daryl Strawberry, uh, later, later, uh, kind of like just a few years apart. So they're very similar. And the next year in 2004, he had played 170 games. He had 307 at-bats, 17 home runs, and 65 RBIs with a 244 batting average. Um, again, uh, like I said, Ruben Sierra uh, was kind of a throwback to kind of to Daryl Strawberry because they were both very similar. Strawberry, um, you know, Strawberry was the same type of role that Ruben Sierra was now playing um, you know, and Ruben Sierra was older too. Of course, he had been through quite a bit, but more in a different way. Sierra was just—he had been struggling a lot, and finally got back to the major leagues. Um, considering hitting 17 home runs and only playing 107 games, 307 at bats, he definitely made the most of that year. Um, like I said, the uh, sacrifice fly he hit um, June 13, 2004. That was my first Yankee Stadium game that I had ever been to. I, and I don't live in New York, so I don't really get to go to a whole lot of games. But that was uh, that was um, a great game. That's the game I'm always going to be always going to remember. Um, and uh, however, moving on, Ruben Sierra in his Yankees career, he had 383 games. He had 1,226 at bats in his Yankees career. Had 45 home runs, 221 RBIs in his Yankee career, and a 2.54 batting average. And that's um, in both stints, 1995 to 96 and then later 2003 to 2005 because he had two stints with the Yanks like I mentioned 2006 he was in, he ended up going to the Twins but then he ended up getting released by the Twins and he was offered a contract to sign with the Mets however um and that was for the Mets because the Mets had ended up going to the NLCS um uh so he was he had a chance to be with the Mets for the September run but he decided not to ultimately because he needed to spend time with his mom because I guess his mom uh, was not doing very well back home and uh, and and he wanted to be with her. So that's basically kind of how his career ended. I think he ended up trying to make a comeback in 2007 and spring training was an invite, but he never quite got there. However, I mean, Ruben Sierra, you kind of still got to give him his due. He, he uh, persevered through a lot of the hard times that he had and just it kind of shows you how being a designated hitter was uh, something that it's not an easy thing to do, like especially if you're used to playing in the field. Some guys just, they like playing in the field, and it's just hard to get used to. But if you want to play in the major leagues, you kind of got to do what they say. And, and uh, I mean, from a player's perspective anyway, and you kind of like, you got to be ready. And that can be kind of hard to do, as, as I just mentioned. Um, however, moving on. Uh, actually, another thing I did want to mention about Sierra, though, uh, his best postseason series, because he did play in the postseason quite a bit. 1992 with Texas in the American League Championship Series versus Toronto. Played six games. He hit 333 with a home run and seven RBIs. And actually, in his MLB career, 
before I get more into the postseason. In his MLB career, he ended up playing 20 seasons considering um, all the years that he struggled after 95. Uh, but he played 20 seasons. Uh, three. He had a 306 home runs, 2,152 hits, and a 268 batting average and a 105 on-base plus slugging adjusted overall so that that's pretty darn good for a guy who um who struggled quite a bit from 96 especially to 1999 being out of baseball and then coming back in 2001 um so that's, that's kind of cool um that he still ended up having over 300 home runs and over 2,000 hits um that that's that doesn't happen by mistake um and like i said uh some of his postseason numbers with the yankees anyway he had, in 2004 American League Championship Series. He played five games, 21 at bats. I believe that they were mostly as a designated hitter. Um, he had two RBIs in that series. He had a 3.33 batting average. 2003 American League Championship Series, one for two with a home run and a walk, and he didn't strike out at all. Um, of course, he only had one at bat, um, or actually two at bats rather. Uh, in 1995 American League Division Series, Game Two. Uh, in the bottom of the sixth, two to one, Seattle. Uh, and then Ruben Sierra came up and he had a game tying home run off of Andy Bennis. And the next batter, Don Mattingly, went back to back. Um, and of course, Paul O'Neill uh, came, uh, capped it off in the seventh inning with the with two outs against Norm Charlton. And the Yankees won that game in 1995. And then game two, 2003 World Series, game four, uh, he had a game tying RBI uh, triple off of. Uh, Urbina from the Florida Marlins, um, who of course now are the Miami Marlins. Um, he hit it to right field, um, which a triple, uh, especially at his age, he was 37 years old at that time. So I mean that that's that's uh, he had to really I'm sure well uh, Marlins Park from what I remember at that time I think it was Joe Robbie Stadium. It was a a big park. Um, not to take anything away from Sierra, but um, he was he was not the fastest guy. He was pretty slow at foot. Of course he was 37 years old. Um, however, when he did, st- when he, when Ruben Sierra started, he was he was a pretty he was he wasn't like fast like Ricky Henderson, but he was still he was he had some he had some speed, um, uh, and he could he could run a little bit, but for a guy like that to hit a triple, you really have to be able to hit the ball. Um, and Ruben Sierra, that's one thing that Ruben Sierra did. He was he was um he was known for being a guy that you could could hit you a home run or just uh, driving runs. Um, 2004 American League Division Series Game Four, uh, he had a game-tying three-run home run off of Juan Rincon against the Twins with one out. Um, he just won that series. 2004 American League Championship Series Game Three, um, he went two for six, two RBIs. He had an RBI triple off of Tim Wakefield in the fourth inning. And in 2005 American League Division Series Game Four, he had his last postseason hit, which was a game-tying RBI single off of right-handed relief pitcher Scott Shields in the seventh inning to right field. Um, the Yankees won the game 3-2 to two on uh, on a uh, fielder's choice that Derek Jeter hit. Uh, it was the go-ahead. He, uh, Posada scored the go-ahead run, and that's how the Yankees ended up winning that game, game four. And so overall, Ruben Sierra had a, a very inspiring kind of career, if you think about it. Like, he, he really, um, he had some big moments with the Yankees at times. Um, however, it, it took him a little while to get used to being a, a DH. And it really, really kind of hurt his career in, in a lot of ways. Because he was a very good player, like I said, being second in the MVP voting in, I think it was 1989, uh, to Robert Young, who was now a Hall of Famer. Um, 
you know, it's, that tells you right there that he was a great player. Um, but sometimes just DHing can be can be tough. And of course, he got a second chance at it, 2003 with the Yankees, and he was able to put uh, some pretty good years together, considering he was he was a little bit older at that time, and uh, he he did a, he did a nice job with the Yanks, and he filled a, a a very important role for them off the bench, and got some big hits for them. Moving on, Oscar Gamble was an outfielder, a designated hitter, um, just like Ruben Sierra and Daryl Strawberry as well. He, uh, Gamble played 17 seasons overall, seven seasons with the New York Yankees. Um, he had two stints as well, 1976 and 1979 to 1984. He was 5'11", a left-handed hitter, threw right. Um, he was traded to the Yankees from the Cleveland Indians in November of 1975 for pitcher Pat Dobson. Uh, 1976, he played 110 games with the Yankees. 104 of those games were in the outfield, though. Um, 17 home runs, 57 RBIs, 38 strikeouts, a 232 batting average, 317 on base percentage, and a 118 on base plus slugging adjusted that year. But that was his only year in his first stint with the Yankees. He was traded then to the White Sox uh, with Bob Polinski, a pitcher, Lamar Hoyt, another pitcher, and um, and Cash for Bucky Dent. And of course, Bucky Dent um, was uh, had a very legendary moment in 1978 against the Red Sox. Um, as you all know, hitting a home run in the the one game playoff against the Red Sox, um, three run home run. July thirtieth, nineteen seventy nine. Though he was traded back to the Yankees from the Texas Rangers uh, with Amos Lewis, um, who was a minor leaguer, minor league infielder, um, and uh, they traded him for Mickey Rivers, um, and so he finally came back in nineteen seventy nine. He was mostly an outfielder still until nineteen eighty two. Um, uh, however, he wasn't really playing uh, as many games. I think this was o- it was when he was older, um, 1979. Um, so he was kind of like a like a Ruben Sierra at this time, um, a guy like a role player, pitch hitter type. Um, but he would play. I think he. I'm sure he started every once in a while. Um, however, in 79, 80, and even 81, he didn't play as much um, DH. 79 though, he played only 36 games, 113 at bats. 11 home runs, um, a 389 batting average. Um, of course, he came in, uh, like I mentioned, he came in July. So he, um, considering he hit 389, he really helped the Yankees in 1979. I, although I don't think the Yankees ended up making the playoffs that year. Uh, uh, 1980, uh, 78 games he played, had 194 at-bats, 14 home runs, 50 RBIs. He had a 278 batting average and a 376 on-base percentage and a 158 on-base plus looking adjusted um, so he had a pretty darn good year that year as well. And then after that, 1981, he had kind of a rough year. Uh, so he started to DH more in 1982, uh, where he had 108 games played, 116 at-bats, 18 home runs, 57 RBIs, a 272 batting average, and a 387 on-base percentage with a 150 on-base plus slugging adjusted. And his Yankees career overall throughout the whole two stints that he played in, um, he had played um, uh, 540 games, 1,457 at-bats, 87 home runs. Um, so he had a few more home runs than Danny Tartable did. Of course, he played um, more seasons than Tartable as well. Um, but uh, Oscar Gamble also had 276 RBIs, a 259 batting average, um, a 361 on-base percentage, and a 141 on-base plus slugging adjusted. Over- overall, his on-base plus slugging adjusted season-to-season was very, very good. 
um, which kind of tells you how good he was. He was very consistent in uh, um, year to year, and it was usually always getting on base and and getting a home run or, or just doing something to help the team. In the postseason in his career, he played 18 games, 42 at-bats, had two home runs in the postseason, seven RBIs, had a 286 batting average, and a 404 on base percentage. And also, he only struck out seven times in the postseason and 42 at-bats. His best series was 1981 in the American League Division Series, and his best series was in 1981, um, which was a strike year. Uh, so they had expended playoffs. So the Yankees were facing the Brewers in the American League Division Series. Oscar Gamble was 5 for 9. He had a double, two home runs, and three RBIs. Um, and uh, he also he had that was good for a batting average of 556. He only struck out twice in nine at bats as well. Um, he had a 600 on base percentage as well. Game one of the 1981 American League Division Series. Uh, he had a game tying two run home run off of Moose Haas, who was a righty. And uh, the Yankees won that game 5-3 to three on a Rick Cerrone 2-RBI double. Uh, game 5 of 1981 American League Division Series. Uh, bottom of the 4th, Oscar Gamble had a go-ahead home run off of Moose Haas. Again, Moose Haas. Uh, and he went back-to-back as Reggie Jackson also had a home run. So those are two big moments that he had in the playoffs. Of course, the Yankees never never won the World Series with Oscar Gamble. But Gamble still had a very, very good career with the Yankees. Um, and in 76, he got to play with the Yankees when he was a little bit younger, and he's probably a little bit better. Um, but even later on, he did, uh, being a DH, um, definitely, you can see that last year definitely helped him. But anyways, moving on, another guy I wanted to mention was Don Baylor. Uh, he had the nickname, kind of a cool nickname, Groove, and the Sneak Thief, which I think is kind of a cool nickname. Um, he played three seasons for the Yankees. He was six foot one, 190 pounds, big guy. I think he ended up becoming manager of the year one time. Um, I can't remember what team he was the manager for that he won the manager of the year. He was also a hitting coach as well quite a few times throughout his career. Played first base, outfield designated hitter. Uh, 14 more home runs with the Yankees um, than he did when he was playing six seasons with the Baltimore Orioles. But of course, when he played in Baltimore, uh, it wasn't Camden Yards. It was Memorial Stadium, which was the opposite of Camden Yards. Um, Memorial Stadium um, was uh, not, definitely not a hitter-friendly park. It was uh, more pitcher-friendly. Um, so that's probably a big reason why he was able to hit more home runs at Yankee State with the Yankees um, in his three seasons than he did in Baltimore in six seasons. Because it kind of tells you the big difference between uh, uh, um, Memorial Stadium and Camden Yards. Um, his highest on-base plus slugging adjusted with the Yankees was 138, which is well above average. Um, that was in 1983. Also in 1983, he played 144 games, had 534 at-bats, 21 home runs, 85 RBIs, only struck out 53 times. He had a 303 batting average, a 17 stolen bases, 341 on-base percentage, and he had a 138 on-base plus slugging adjusted, like I mentioned. He also won the Silver Slugger that year as well. 1984, he played 134 games, he had 443 at-bats, 27 home runs, 89 RBIs, 68 strikeouts, had a 262 batting average, a 341 on base percentage, and a 131 on base plus slugging adjusted um, in 1984. And in 1985, his last year with the Yankees, played 142 games, 477 at bats, 23 home runs, 91 RBIs, um, struck out 90 times. He was already getting a little bit older by this time. Um, he had batted just 231, 
and he had a 330 on base percentage and a 109 on base plus slugging adjusted. He also won a silver slugger as well that year, um, which is kind of ironic that he only hit 231. But um, he did end up hitting 23 home runs too. However, maybe some of that was his reputation as well. However, he never played in the postseason with the Yankees. He did play in quite a few postseason games throughout his career though with the Orioles and the Red Sox and the Angels. Um, There might have been another team in there as well. However, oh yeah, and the Twins as well. He actually won a World Series with the Twins in 1987. In his postseason career though, he played 38 games. Um, none of them with the Yanks, of course, unfortunately. Had 121 at-bats, 4 home runs, 21 RBIs, a 273 batting average, 362 on-base percentage, and um, only struck out 21 times in 121 at-bats. Uh, he also had an 11-game postseason hitting streak from 1982 of the American League Championship Series Game 3 until 1986 of the World Series until uh, Game 3 as well. Um, and that was when he was with the uh, Red Sox. Um, he won the World Series with the Twins in 1987, the second to last year of his career. Game six, he went two for three with three RBIs. Um, uh, he helped the Twins, of course, win the World Series. And two of the biggest hits that he had in that game, he had a go-ahead RBI single off of John Tudor. That was in the bottom of the first inning. And uh, he also had a game-tying two-run home run in the bottom of the fifth Again, off of John Tudor. And uh, John Tudor was a left-handed pitcher as well for the St. Louis Cardinals. So, Don Baylor had, even though he only played three seasons with the Yankees, he had three very quality seasons. Um, uh, I think he's definitely a guy I wanted to mention because you don't really hear much about him as a Yankee, probably because he only played three seasons. And also, he played during the 80s when the Yankees, um, and after the Yankees had uh, played their last postseason game in the 80s, which was 1981. Anyways, moving on to uh, Hideki Matsui. Hideki Matsui, uh, I have kind of mentioned him already uh, when the, with the top five left fielders. Um, of course, he was on that list. But anyways, Hideki Matsui was a designated hitter mostly in 2008 and uh, full-time designated hitter in 2009. 2008, uh, him and Giambi kind of split time with the designated hitter. From 2005 to 2007, Matsui was already starting to DH a little bit more to keep him healthy and keep him on the field like some other guys I have mentioned already. 2006 um, was a big reason why was because I think he, I think that was the year that he had his wrist, in, wrist injury. I think it was like the first, the biggest injury he had, um, he had had to date where he missed a substantial amount of time. He had never really, I don't think he had ever been on the injured list or something like that. I think it was his wrist injury was his first one, but I'm not positive on that. In 2008, he had 93 games played, 333 at-bats with the Yanks, nine home runs, 45 at-bats, um, struck out just 47 times, in 333 at bats, he had a 294 batting average, a 370 on base percentage, and a 108 on base plus slugging adjusted in 08. Um, in 2009, he uh, had a he had ended up being able to play a lot more. Of course, I'm sure some of that was because uh, Giambi had finished out his contract in 08. Uh, then so then 2009, um, Hideki Matsui was pretty much the full time DH at that time. Played 142 games. He had 456 at bats that season. Um, also, he had 28 home runs, which was the most amount of home runs he had since, I think, like 2000, 2006 or, or 2007 or so. No, I think it was like 2005 or so, something like that. Um, but anyways, it was the most home runs he had had for quite a while. Uh, he had 90 RBIs in 09, 274 batting average, 367 on-base percentage, a 123 on-base plus slugging adjusted. And he also had uh, two more full seasons with the Angels and Oakland. Um, the next two years as well. So the DH really, um, really allowed Matsui to 
to have a longer career. And he even played 34 games in Tampa in 2012, but he, uh, I think he ended up, I don't know if he ended up getting released by Tampa. I think he ended up getting released, or I don't know if he just retired. I think he got released, though, or something like that, and the Yankees signed him the next year to a, like a one-day contract and get to retire a Yankee, um, which is pretty much, you know, when you think of Hideki Matsui, you think of the Yankees. He, he was a Yankee, and uh, he was a true professional. And when you think of Hideki Matsui, um, Hideki Matsui was what you would want uh, any player to, to be like. Like, he was a true professional on and off the field, and he was definitely a true Yankee in my opinion, or by a lot of Yankee fans' opinions. Um, of course, 2009, he won the World Series MVP. Um, game 6 was 3-for-4, home run, and uh, 6 RBIs, and he also had a double as well. Um, in his career in the postseason, have played 56 games, 205 at-bats, 10 home runs, 39 RBIs, and a 312 batting average um, in 56 games. Um, he was better at every single level in the postseason, including two World Series that he played, 2003 and 2009, he had a 389 batting average in the World Series, uh, both of those World Series combined. Four home runs, 12 RBIs, just struck out five times, and he had a 463 on base percentage. So um, Matsui definitely was a clutch hitter, and he was actually a Red Sox killer too. I mean, he, he was one Yankee that he really, like even Pedro Martinez, he still was able to find ways to get on base and, and help the Yankees any way, any way they could, even though Pedro did give them fits quite a bit, of course. But anyways, moving on, another guy that didn't necessarily, he's not really considered a designated hitter, but it, like Matsui, it helped him later in his career was Reggie Jackson. Um, Reggie Jackson played, of course, five seasons with the New York Yankees um, and from 1977 to 81. And I won't go into too much detail because uh, the last episode on the top five right fielders have already kind of done that with Reggie Jackson. However, he was a DH um, mostly for like rest days and, and uh, later in his career. And in 1980, he had 143 games played, um, uh, 41 home runs, led the league again in home runs, 111 RBIs. He had a 300 batting average, which is the highest in his Yankees career, 398 on-base percentage, and a 172 on-base plus slugging adjusted. And he was actually second in the MVP voting that year to George Brett of the Kansas City Royals. Um, 1981, he played just 94 games. He had 15 home runs, uh, 54 RBIs, just batted 237. And a 330 on base percentage. Of course, he was starting to get older as well. And 1981 to uh, that was the strike year, so it was kind of it wasn't a full season. Um, however, it wasn't one definitely wasn't one of his better seasons, and he was already starting to to um, get a little bit older. Um, however, uh, Reggie Jackson, because of that 1980 season, is definitely another guy I wanted to mention for the top five Yankee designated hitters. And another guy I wanted to mention was Lou Pinella. Uh, Pinello played from 74 to 1984. I've kind of mentioned him already with, again, with the top five right fielders like Reggie Jackson. Um, he played a little bit of, uh, he, he DH'd a little bit, um, in 1982 because he was already getting older at that time. He was 38 years old, but that was the first time he DH'd, or at least mostly DH'd anyway. Uh, played 102 games. He had 261 at-bats, a 352 on-base percentage, and a 307 batting average with six home runs and 37 RBIs with a 121 on-base plus slugging adjusted. Um, so, I mean, you can see by the amount of games that he even played that he really wasn't the same player that he used. He was, um, of course, he retired two years later then. But, I mean, you could tell that the designated hitter, you could see how uh, it helps. it's helped a lot of guys um, toward the end of their careers, and Pinello was one of those guys as well. And now it's time to rank the top five designated hitters in Yankees history. Number one, Jason Giambi. 
Number two, Don Baylor. Number three, Oscar Gamble. And number four, Ron Bloomberg. And number five, Daryl Strawberry. And I decided to go uh, with Giambi because overall, Giambi's, Giambi was a designated hitter. I mean, 04 was probably his worst. It was definitely his worst year with the Yankees, I'd say. Um, but like after 04, that's even or even during 04, I think they started DHing him a lot more. But after that, they really started DHing him more and more and more. And um, he really became more of a DH type of guy. He did play a little bit of first base. Um, so the Yankees could uh, DH some of their older guys like Jeter and, and uh, Posada and some guys like that. Gary Sheffield as well. However, uh, Jason Giambi, um, overall his numbers were the best of any, any player. Um, and pretty much the DH was made for someone like him or Ron Bloomberg as well. Who Ron Bloomberg, I feel like, could have been, if he was able to stay healthy, I mean, again, would have, could have, should have. But if he was able to, he probably could have been higher up on this list. Because, I mean, he's another guy. Of course, the DH was made for him. He was the first designated hitter. I mean, it wasn't they didn't make it because of him. I just feel like Giambi was the best. Um, Don Baylor, I decided to go number two with him because year to year, all three seasons, um, he had very good seasons all three years. I mean, he was older, too, at that time. I think it was, like, in his later 30s, 34, 35, 36 or so. Um so, I mean, Baylor put together some very good years with the Yanks, and I feel like even though he didn't play a long time with the Yankees, he still, year to year, he was very, very good and very consistent. Um, number three was Oscar Gamble. I decided to go with him overall off of, over uh, Ron Bloomberg because of, um, you know, overall I just felt like Oscar Gamble was just a little bit better, um, or he was maybe he was just able to put up better numbers because uh, he was able to stay healthy and Bloomberg wasn't able to stay healthy. And part of that is... Um, that's part of the battle, too, I guess. However, uh, Ron Bloomberg still was a very good hitter, contact hitter. And I decided to go with Daryl Strawberry. I was kind of a toss-up over Ru him and Ruben Sierra. But ultimately, I kind of have to go with Daryl Strawberry, though, because Daryl Strawberry, um, you know, especially in 1998, 24 home runs. He didn't even play a full season. And it seemed like every time Dar uh, Joe Torre put Daryl Strawberry in the game, he was either going to hit a home run or get a big hit in some way. Um, and he made Joe Torre look good a lot of times, especially in 1999. He came up, uh, came back in uh, September. He really uh, tore the baseball apart um, and, and until October and helped the Yankees win another World Series. Um, so, Strawberry is another guy. So, I just wanted to thank everybody for listening to this week's episode of the top five Yankees designated hitters of all time and why. Again, my top five is Jason Giambi, Don Baylor, Oscar Gamble, Ron Bloomberg, and Daryl Strawberry with the honorable mentions of Reggie Jackson, Hideki Matsui, Danny Tartable, and Ruben Sierra. So, I mean, what's your top five? You can feel free to email uh, me your top five at historicpinstripes at gmail.com. You can also feel free to tweet me at historicnyy, um, which is the Twitter handle for the show, Historic Pinstripes. Instagram handle is at Historic Pinstripes. And Facebook, of course, is just the Historic Pinstripes show. Thank you again for listening, everyone. And as always, go Yankees! <laughs> <laughs>